This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. But first, if you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. This is Mandy Year, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Well, it's been too long. I say that to all my guests because uh, I got so many that I don't get to talk to them as much as I want. But it's great to have Nate Blazy of the uh, Nisswa Guide Leagues back. Nate, thanks for joining us today. No problem. Good to talk to you again, Kev. I suppose we're about in that new transition into ice fishing, so <laughs> about time to talk again. Absolutely. I know that uh, you don't guide for it because it's kind of your uh, your fun time to fish, and I know you love it. But you couldn't have been happy with that snow last week. <laughs> uh, that's one way to put it. Um, <laughs> I guess in true Minnesota and fashion, I'd say oofda from uh, what I'm seeing out there. It's, it's uh, going to make things a little challenging for the next couple of weeks at a minimum. At a minimum, yeah. I mean, I know that uh, we were, it sounded like you know we were starting to get some pretty nice ice, and then uh, all of a sudden that stuff comes down, and that just kind of, well, first of all, makes the stuff get out there, and then you have no idea how the ice is going to form. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I, I, the way this is kind of panning out, it was the same as I think it was two years ago, where we were sitting at a nice base of that six to nine inches of good ice, and we were literally, you know, three, four, five days away from being pretty good for the winter, and then we got that snowfall. And I'd say we're pretty similar to that this year. In the Brainerd area, most of your lakes were in that anywhere, oh, let's say five to nine inches of good ice range. Uh, not too much variation. And then the snow came, and it completely put a – stop on making ice and you know i even sent you a few pictures here yeah it was a couple of days ago and i drove around uh, five different area lakes seeing the same thing which was absolutely yucky <laughs> um conditions and i know some guys are getting out um you're just gonna have to really work for it for a while here and it's gonna you know take a toll on your equipment but if you want to get out where there's a little bit of you can still do it it's just gonna be a little more of a challenge for a bit um, I'm glad you used uh, radio-friendly uh, language there when you were discuss- discussing the ice, because I know most people would say something much worse than that. Um, you did get a little ice fishing in up in our neck of the woods, though. I did, yeah. So uh, what a uh, week ago, went up with some buddies, and we do that same weekend. I think it's the weekend of uh, December 10th up on Upper Red Lake, and we've done it the last couple of years uh, out of Bear Paw uh, Guide Service. And we actually just stay in their houses right on shore and then venture out on our own with wheelers and snowmobiles and portables. And I would say it was pretty typical, your Red Lake experience. The ice was pretty good up there. We had about a foot of ice in most of the areas that we checked. Um, we fished that east and northeast side of the lake. Um, I think we were right around that, you know, probably 100 fish each Friday and Saturday for four to five guys. So it wasn't spectacular for Red Lake standards, but at the same time, where are you going to go where you're seeing 100 fish for four guys in a slow day? So, you know. <laughs> No complaints there, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people really love the early ice because basically it's just an extension of fall. They know where the fish are. The fish are still active. But, you know, we keep hearing every year somebody makes a big mistake uh, with early ice. And, you know, we're at a foot now. If that's if that's the case still, 
Uh, that's good news, but obviously if you're going to bring out the, the fifth wheeler, it better be a lot thicker than that. Right, and, and like you said, you don't have to go too far out into the lake on most of these lakes right now. The fish are still located, the shoreline structure for the most part. Shallower stuff, vegetation, you can find that. Red was the same thing. The main issue we ran into was there was a moving heave that the resort had bridged, and when it was warming up those couple days we were there, they had to keep resetting the bridge. So that was the only issue, and as long as you were smart, and they still wanted people to get off the lake, you know, where you had some light so you could see, um, there wasn't much of an issue. But at the same time, I, you know, there were pictures and, and stuff of a couple pockets of open water up there that then skimmed over and you know, only had a, a little bit of ice and now the snow cover. So I think they're, they're getting better with that now. But at the same time, absolutely, you don't want to just go Baja and across the big lake specifically right now because, uh, yeah, you could you could run into some bad bad conditions doing that. What's your rule? What, how thick does it have to be before you're happy to be out there? Well, that has changed in my age. <laughs> so I used to, you know, probably three to four inches, I would, would be cautious and go out. Now I'd say four to very minimum, and I'm probably waiting until that six-inch range, and that's walking out or fishing some real close structure to shore with a four-wheeler and checking very periodically as I go out. Um, guys absolutely will, will push it and are comfortable on less ice than myself, and that's fine, and, and I think for the most part, a lot of those early ice fishermen take the right safety precautions. you got your float suits now. you got picks um, in case you do go through chisel, you know. So, But there's, there's no doubt about it. That early ice can be absolutely some of the best fishing that you'll have the whole year, and that's why a lot of guys are really, you know, push it and anticipating that. So I do like it. It's just I backed off a little bit from where I used to be. So, Do you have a float suit? I do. I've got a couple of them, actually. Um and they, you know, I'd say each couple of years, the technology, we've talked about it before, it's amazing how lightweight they are. They don't constrict the movements. Uh, they're very, very warm. And I've luckily, knock on wood, never had to use them when I uh, never went through. But uh, it's just a nice peace of mind to know in case something bad were to happen, you have that extra precautionary thing there that could help you get out of a bad situation if you need it. And I, I would say most folks that I see out on the lakes now have some sort of float suit. So they're, they're pretty popular. Well, you know, and I think you said a couple of things that, that make them popular. A, they're light. You know, you don't feel like you're you know, hauling this extra 60 pounds on you. And uh, and they're warm. Uh, two of the most important things about ice fishing. Yeah, and that's the, I mean, the lightness alone, you know, early ice, a lot of times you're fishing right off the ice. You don't have a, you know, permanent or a portable all the time. And it can be some pretty harsh conditions. And if you put your wind in the back, you're not feeling that wind. It does not cut through you at all with this new ice suits and Every year they get a little lighter and a new, fancier model of it. So they're, they're pretty neat. And, and, I mean, they're not necessarily the cheapest things in the world, but at the same time, if you're going to use it, I think it's well worth the investment because you're going to be happy with a lot of the technology for the new ice suits out there. So good stuff. So uh, what what is the going rate for, you know, a decent, a decent uh, suit? Oh, I think you could probably start off in the range of right around 150 for bibs and 150 for a jacket. And then depending on if you want the Cadillac model, you know, you go up from there and you could be already up to maybe as much as 350 for a jacket and bibs each. So anywhere from that, I'd say 250 to $700 range, and you could have a complete uh, pair of bibs and a jacket. So. Well, that's, I mean, like 150 to 2 for a jacket, 150 to 2 for just standard non-floating, you know, warm weather stuff. That's not that's not out of the realm of a normal purchase. So that seems like a pretty good no. deal, actually. 
Absolutely. And again, you know, as a lot of fishermen do, if you keep your eye open for bargains, there's always some place that's got something on sale. So um, I always advise that and keep my eyes on lots of different uh, stores and wait till something comes on sale and you can get some pretty good deals for some very quality uh, clothing for the outside. Well, besides the clothing, toys-wise, any uh, cool new things out there ice fishing-wise that you're, you're liking? Oh, yeah. So we actually had a Walleye Alliance winter ice fishing seminar here a week ago. And we had uh, Joel Nelson as our speaker, and he did a fabulous job. So if anyone ever has the opportunity to listen to him speak, I, I encourage it because he's a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he did it on whether to be stationary or be mobile for your ice fishing techniques, which we can talk about that a little more later if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that, we did give away a Ion Alpha, which is their newest generation of electric auger. And that seems, that seems to be absolutely amazing. Um, we had some different rods that we gave away for ice fishing. One was a St. Croix Custom Rod. Those are pretty phenomenal. Uh, Tuned Up Custom gave us a couple ice fishing rods. You know, there's been such an advancement, too, in the ice fishing rod technology and the feel of them compared to what it used to be. It's unbelievable. It's almost getting to that summer aspect where they make these rods completely custom to what your desire is, length, feel, grip. Um, so it, it's, it's pretty cool to feel these rods compared to what they used to be. Um, forward-facing sonar, we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. That continues to grow, and Joel actually talked about that, how guys are now they're having enough information ice fishing-wise where they can read how these fish react to when you auger holes and how they move and how they pressure. So that forward-facing sonar, more and more people are getting that, and I, I, that's going to continue to be the case. Uh, those prices are starting to come down. They're starting to get newer generations of the, the second and third generation of the technology out there. So I think that's another one of the big growth that we're going to see for ice fishing. Well, you know, once technology's out there, it's, it doesn't go away ever. So it, those who are fighting that war, you maybe won't switch, but you're going to lose that war. Yep. No, it, it's here. And like I said, it's, it's, it's that. we talked about it before. Yep. It is very interesting just from uh, figuring out how the fish react and move. I think anyone that likes to fish would be absolutely amazed to see how the fish react to different noises, um, that kind of thing. Not necessarily just you know, how to make them bite or see how they react to their lures. Really need to just see how the fish do their thing and swim. So that was kind of one of the cool things that, as I'm learning going through this, just watching the fish reaction is, is absolutely very worth it. Well, you, you talked about, uh, you know, Joel, discussing, you know, the mobility factor, which has always been, you know, the harder thing about ice fishing. But as, as you noted, with the lighter electric augers, you know, those light uh, portable fish houses, and on and on it goes, that's got to be something that's a lot easier now than it used to be. Well, for sure, it's, uh, it's you know, if, if you want to move, which a lot of guys do now, like you said, with electric augers, if you're going to hole hop, you try a spot, pop a couple holes. If you're not marking fish, you're moving, and sometimes it might take you five, six, seven different spots before you find fish in the area. If you find fish in the area, you usually stop and fish. But <clears throat> what Joel is getting at, too, is depending on the body of water that you're fishing, and this we can use Red Lake as an example here, if you're in a shallow body of water those fish a lot of times are much more reactive to whether it's someone driving on the ice whether it's someone augering holes compared to if you're fishing a a deeper body of water out in 30 feet of water they're still going to react but they're not going to react as aggressively as if you're fishing seven eight feet of water on red so um that's where it was really interesting because i think that's one of the the newer changes i've seen in ice fishing the last couple years is being mobile and sometimes, that's what Joel's getting at, sometimes you actually, it's more worth it to wait it out. If those fish are in a basin kind of doing a circle, they're going to come back to you, whereas if you keep drilling a hole, they just, you just keep pushing them further and further away from you. So if you just wait for them to come back in, 
after they react to that uh, auger going, you're probably going to do better than if you just keep moving and chasing them. So pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, and of course, um, you know, in the summertime, we do move. So it makes sense that moving might make sense at times in the winter. But we're not usually putting a big, noisy auger, you know, into the water in the summertime either. Right. And I, I got to say, that was one of the noticeable things that when we were up on red is there are so many electric augers now that it used to be common. You'd be out there and you'd hear the gas augers fire up and some of them are pretty loud and you'd hear that echo for a long ways. Now you don't hear that so much to the point where you hear a gas auger, it almost catches your interest and you're kind of like, huh. Um, so it's, it's, the technology is really changing on that. Uh, but I still do think there's a time and a place for a gas auger. When we go up to uh, Winnipeg, like Winnipeg laid ice and you're drilling through four to five feet of ice, <laughs> you can still deal with the, the electrics, but uh, the gas at that point gives you a little more power, and we found out you don't burn through batteries as much. So there's a give and take for both of them. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just like turntables. I still use my turntable on occasion. Which are coming cool again. My daughter just asked for one for Christmas this year. So. That's right. Good for her. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. A radio guy yeah. loves hearing people still want to play records. That's right. Sure. No, that, that's uh, absolutely uh, kind of a cool thing, and they their own unique onto it. So I think that's always going to have a place in music. Got a lot more to cover with Nate Blazing, including a Holiday Fast Five on the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast. Hi, this is Nate Blazing of the Nifla Guide League, and I'm doing my best to keep Kevin Jackson from embarrassing himself. Winter has set in. Bemidji, the first city on the Mississippi, comes alive during the frozen winter months. Whether you explore the hundreds of miles worth of trails by either snowmobile or snowshoe, Bemidji captures Minnesota at its finest. There are 400 lakes close by, perfect for that weekend ice fishing getaway. Located in the heart of northern Minnesota, Bemidji. Hotels, B&Bs, and year-round resorts, Bemidji has you covered for your perfect winter getaway. All reasons why Paul Bunyan and Babe call Bemidji home. For more details, go to visitbemidji.com. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored in part by Bemidji State University. You can pursue your passions with a world-class education in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods. The drive to acquire deeper knowledge and develop greater wisdom is already in your nature. So join us on the shores of Lake Bemidji. Minnesota's premier Northwoods University can help you make the world a better place than you found it. Learn more at BemidjiState.edu and schedule a tour today. BemidjiState.edu I'm Bruce Jean, and this is Paul Bunyan Country. My guest today, Nate Blazing of the Nisswa Guides League. We're closing in on a month from the uh, Brader J.C.'s ice fishing extravaganza, which has got to be the most unnatural fishing experience in the world. I mean, that many people in one spot, it's got to—it's—it's it's just crazy. It is, and like I said, I've, I've fished a couple years. I volunteered a couple years. Um, at, at nothing less than a spectacle. You know, I went into it when I fished it expecting, hey, you know, I can't know what I'm doing here. I think I'm going to have a chance of winning. Well, I went off the door in a hurry, and I realized you got to be pretty lucky, um, you know, in order to win something. But if you go out to see the number of people, such a wide range of people, um, and there's some pretty cool characters and people get together and have signs and everything else, it's a really fun spectacle if you go out and look at it that way, just to have a good time. So... At this point, I usually do more of the volunteering stuff, uh, again, whether it's our sort of walleye line stuff or we do security checks for them or something. But great group of guys, and actually one of our board members for walleye line is chairing it this year. So 
Uh, we were we were chatting a little bit as we were looking to get the snow, and you know, hopefully he's not sweating too much because a lot can change between then and now. But at the same time, <laughs> I don't think it makes him feel real good where things are sitting right now. Right, right, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, it, you know, it is a. I think it is more of a luck thing than anything, but it is a great tradition, and it's for some really great, you know, Brainerd area organizations, and so. To go out and have that kind of fun, whether you catch a fish or not, that's one of those things I think most people just, they're there because, well, that's what we do on the last weekend in January. Well, and again, you can see, you know, you got people from all over the, the world that, that come to this. Um, I think I said before, one time we had uh, National Geographic BBC out there and just did a thing on the extravaganza, ice fishing in general, because if you're not from Minnesota or the upper Midwest, it seems pretty foreign. They were amazed that we're driving on the ice, where you have 10,000 people on the ice in some small little area, so... It's really a unique thing, but uh, like you said, you touched on the charity side of things. That's that's a huge part of it, and I think that's why so many people support it, and it's a good time. And I believe they're also doing the online fish donkey version this year. I think they call it their sister tournament, and I'm sure you'll have one of them on here in the near future, and they can explain it better. But super cool thing, lots yep. of fun to have for people, whether they want to be on Go Lake doing it or on a different lake, kind of on their own. There's an opportunity for both. Okay. Um, so... The um, that's coming up at the end of January. What is the Walleye Alliance doing these days? Well, again, we we just planned and got through that uh, ice fishing seminar. Mm-hmm. We had taken I don't know if it was a year or two off during COVID, which we keep saying, "Well, what did we do last year?" Well, we didn't have it last year because of that. So <laughs> you know, it's kind of refreshing the memory to get back and do what we were doing before. Um, now that that's over and done with, we are starting to plan or think about our spring banquet, which uh, I believe it's in April. And uh, we're starting to throw around some, some names and contacts in terms of who our future speaker is going to be, kind of prizes to give away. Uh, we're going to lock down the location again. I think we're going to do it the same place we had last year. So that's the next stepping process um, for the walleye. And so there's never really an off time for us, which is cool. It keeps us busy. And we get together probably on a two-week to monthly basis as a board and take care of business talk a lot of fishing and have a couple of pops or beers. So it's, it's a good group of guys and, uh, and gals, and it's really fun. I know you did a lot of work uh, with the legislature the last few years. Uh, is the Walleye Alliance still involved in that, or are we taking a break? We are taking a break, um, <laughs> which I'm actually really happy to say, Kev, uh, <laughs> as strong as I did feel about our limit reduction push for walleyes, and I still do believe it. You know, we heard from the legislature pretty loud and clear that they didn't feel that was their position as a legislative body, that they wanted to come from the DNR. And so um, we've had some discussions with the DNR, and it sounds like there's a decent chance that they will carry that going forward. A lot of things were kind of put up in the air waiting for the election to get done to see if you had new people, you know, the governor and different legislators. So we're just kind of getting that stuff going again. Uh, the DNR just actually sent out invites for the roundtable here coming up here, I think it's about a month. So I think we'll know a lot more at that point because that's where a lot of people that, you know, have been working on this kind of get together and see where things are at. We get to hear from the DNR. So um, I know I just saw a video the other day about panfish regulations, too, and if they need to put slots on or different limits. So it's on a lot of people's mind. And, Mm -hmm. again, that's a good thing. We didn't get the legislative stuff passed, but at the same time it was educating people and just making them think a little differently about do I need to eat that fish, do I let it go, that kind of stuff. So it's all good. Okay. Well, um, presuming the ice is safe, just general information for general good fishing lakes, where should we be ice fishing right now? So, again, I would say if you have, you know, 
a map or your electronics that, that have the, the chip on it, I'd be looking for structure that's close to a shoreline and some kind of a difference, whether that's a transition from sand to mud or rock to sand, uh, some vegetation, green weeds are always a plus, especially this early ice. There's still a lot of fish, whether you're talking crappie, sunfish, northerns, bass, walleye, everything is weed-related right now. So that's, again, where we don't say you need to go out in the middle of the lake. Just find something that's close to shore, a little different, whether it's an inside turn, a point, something like that. Again, shallow water, one of the keys like we talked about in red. You're not anything specific. Just get away from people, back to the noise issue. So Mm -hmm. um, trial and error, but, yeah, shallower stuff. So let's say you're multi-species fishing. A starting point right now would be anywhere from 8 to 12, 15 feet of water at the deepest. I probably wouldn't go any deeper than that to start. So. What's your favorite fish to ice fish for? Oh, probably walleye, but my wife says this was my crabby period. Um, <laughs> between when I put the boat away and when we can actually get out on the ice, and I, I don't disagree with her. Um, I need that fix of, of fishing. So at this point, I don't care if I'm sunfish fishing, crappie fishing, northern walleye, anything, just fishing in general. But if I have to choose walleye, probably a close second would be lake trout. We used to uh, go up to... Um, Canada in the winter ice fishing for lake trout, and that's a pretty neat thing that we don't get to do a whole lot around here. So that's really enjoyable. Well, you know, eel pout is all the rage now. Are you into that yet? I do it, but I don't catch them on purpose most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sound like a Sally here, but um, <laughs> so I grew up in West Central Minnesota where we did not have eel pout. And when we moved up to Brainerd, I was in sixth grade, and we caught my first eel pout on Gull Lake and ice fish and i grabbed the thing and it wrapped around my arm i'm not real fond of snakes either i should mention yeah i, I did the shake and throw and took off running and it's never stuck with me ever since so <laughs> they're cool fish i absolutely respect them um but it's not something that i necessarily i mean it, it like you said that's the new rage right now it's uh, a lot of guys are targeting them spending lots of time on them and so i'd say that's the probably biggest growing sector for ice fishing right now is eel pouts. oh yeah I catch it, it's not on purpose most of the time. I'll share some knowledge where I'm in the past to my Yale Paul buddies, but... Well, before we wrap it up, Nate Blazing, we have a Christmas Fast Five for you. Okay. Here we go. Question number one. What is the traditional Blazing Christmas meal? We do appetizers. Um, so usually chicken wings, crab rolls, uh, some kind of a taco dip, that kind of stuff. That's our normal Blazing Christmas get-together meal. I love it. I love it. What is your favorite Christmas treat? Hmm. Probably cherries in the snow. It's got to be festive. I like uh, fluffy marshmallow kind of cream cheese sort of stuff, and I like cherries. So, yep, cherries in the snow is it. Yeah, I've never had them. Never had them. I'll have to ask about that. My wife is the baker in the house, so I'll have to ask her about those. All right, question number three. Your favorite Christmas TV special? hard to get away from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That's on every day, but I still, every time I watch it, I start laughing. So that'd be my answer. Okay. In case you can't go wrong. <laughs> no, you can't. That, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, and uh, what is your favorite Christmas carol? Well, as we speak, I just got Christmas music on in the background while I'm working here. Um, hmm. I don't know. I guess I'd go to... Uh, church night at Christmas. I like silent night when you shut the lights off and you have a candle going. That's always kind of gets to me and pretty special for Christmas time. That is pretty cool. I can't, uh, I can't yeah. dispute that one. 
All right, finally, uh, I got a, we got a New Year's resolution question, and you know, I'm not, I'm not here to be your psychologist to find out what you need to improve in your life. So we'll make it a fishing, hunting New Year's resolution. What would be your fishing or hunting New Year's resolution? Oh, let's see. I guess that's probably going to be to just keep up with the technology and learning to kind of stay up with the folks that got to figure it out because it's becoming more and more clear that if you're not up on that stuff, you're kind of a couple steps down in terms of the, uh, how should I say it, how productive you can be. You can still catch fish, but that can absolutely take you to another level. So uh, I don't know if I'm getting older and more crotchety, but uh, change is a little harder to do, so I got to force myself to do this more and more, and I think that's one of the things that I got to be a little more open and spend more time with that to figure it out. So that's, that's my answer on that one. All right, and Nate, uh, obviously it's time to actually start uh, thinking about what we want to do this summer, too, for guiding or taking a fishing trip. So if people are headed to Brainerd Lakes and want to get in with you or anybody with the Nisswa Guide Leagues, uh, Guides League, how do they do that? Sure, you can actually stop at SNW Bait Shop. Uh, Sherry does all our booking there. It's right off of 371 um, south of North Long Lake. Uh, otherwise, you can call and book at 218-829-7010, or our website is www.nisswaguides.com. So otherwise, you can look me up on social media um, or get a hold of Kevin, and he can share my information. So either yes, way, we're good. That's right. All right, he's Nate Blazing from the Nisswa Guides League and also uh, from the Walleye Alliance. Great to have you on the show. Nate, thanks for taking the time, and have a very Merry Christmas. You too, Kevin. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you soon. Bumpkin Country. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plug Door Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players, that is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.